here's the deal. I'm passionate about it. It does not seem like a chore or work. I never go, oh, I got to do another interview. It's always, I can't wait to talk to Emily, who I'm going to talk to on Monday, right? So um, that makes it, I think, now, now I know what people talk about when they say, if, if, you, if, if your job is your passion, it never really feels like a job, right? Hello and welcome to this edition of the John Sanders Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy it. This is episode number 13 and I'm glad you're giving it a listen. Today I am super excited to be joined by Bill Risser, uh, Vice President, Digital Strategy for Fidelity National Title in Florida. Bill's also winner of Inman Innovator of the Year last year, 2019, for his podcast, The Real Estate Sessions, uh, which in my opinion is uh, the best real estate podcast out there. Bill, thanks for joining me. What's going on, man? Wow. I, I need you to follow me around and introduce me everywhere I go. That was great. <laughs> if it gives me a trip to Florida every once in a while, maybe I'll take you up on it. Yeah. There's some golf out here. Did you know that, John? Did you know there's some golf courses in Florida? There's a few. I've had a couple of guys trips out that way. Uh, as a matter of fact, not too far from you. Have you been out to Stream Song? Not yet. Oh, I hear so much about it. I got to get up there. Uh, it's incredible. And uh, and we could get off on a tangent and talk golf for an <laughs> hour, stop. but I'm going to respect okay. your time and, and and we'll circle back a bit. Um, but so so let's jump right in here. Um, I, I'm curious to know because I think you got some Southern California boy in you. Are you originally from Southern California? Yeah, born and raised in San Diego, right? Grew up there, lived out in the okay. East County my whole life. It, kind of Spring Valley, Lemon Grove, La Mesa, Rancho San Diego uh, out there. And I went to high school there. And yeah, um, it was just a great, uh, great, great place to grow up. Yeah, I, I'm not sure there's many that are better uh, when you don't have uh, when, when you don't have to pay the rent or the mortgage in San Diego, but you get to grow up and probably what's one of the best places in the world. I, I think there's some some good benefits to that. Yeah, I, I've been really fortunate really my whole life. Uh, the only th three places that my wife and I have lived are all destinations, and so there's a little bit of luck involved there, and uh, I'm not I'm very grateful for it. Speaking of San Diego, I'm a huge baseball nut. Um, excited as of today, spring training, pitchers and catchers are back, uh, back in Scottsdale for me anyway. Um, I'm originally from Northern California. The, the, the giants are my team, diehard giants fan. Mm. Um, you worked for the Padres if I'm, if I'm correct. Yeah. Um, how did that come to be? Uh, what was your role with the Padres? Yeah. So I, I was in, um, I was, I was in school at UCSD and, and, and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I started playing around with, um, you know, hanging out at the ballpark, a big baseball fan myself. Right. So I, I grew up in San Diego, Jerry Coleman, you know, Dave Campbell were our broadcasters at the time. Uh, I remember listening on the transistor radio, that whole thing through the seventies, Randy Jones and the Cy Young in 1976. I just was a big fan of baseball. And I, um, in 1988, I had this opportunity to work, um, at the stadium for the Super Bowl task force. Super Bowl was going to be, that was the Doug Williams, uh, Super Bowl when he, they came back and, uh, beat the Broncos in 35, 10. And, I, I got to be at the stadium a lot. So I, I met the people that of all things worked in the gift shop. And so they gave me a part-time job that next year, just, I wanted to be around the game and I started working in the gift shop. That was in 88 by 90. I was working in the ticket office, uh, ended up, you know, as high as an assistant director of ticket services, a lot of fun. 
uh, and was there until 1999. So had the great swing of the Tony Gwynn years. You know, my son's middle name is Anthony and it's not for uncle Tony. It's for Anthony. It's, it's for Tony Gwynn. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a wonderful experience and, uh, and, and it, it was time to make the move, though. Uh, Kev was six. We missed his first year. of I, I missed his first year of T-ball, basically being so busy during the summer. Uh, and and we had an opportunity out in Phoenix, in, of all places, with Chicago Title. I had a friend that I went to high school with that said, you want a real job? Let me know. <laughs> because everybody thinks when you work in baseball, it's just like you just mess around and you know there's nothing really to do. Uh, so So we took him up on that offer. Yeah, it's, uh, not too dissimilar to to my road, although not baseball related at all. I, I had some had some friends of mine that uh, were like, I was in the golf business. I was a golf professional, mm-hmm. and they said, you know, why don't you get out of the golf business, get a real job? And uh, like, like well, I do have a real job, but but I understand what you're saying, so so I get that. But now your time with the Padres always at Jack Murphy Stadium. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Um you know, Qualcomm at the time, right? So it, it got named Qualcomm, I think, right before I started with him, or maybe it was just right after. But our office was right in the outer ring of Qualcomm Stadium. I did have this detour for a year to the Chargers when when Larry Lacchino and John Morris came in and bought the team during the strike year, right after 1984. Um, I actually went with a couple of other employees over to the um, Chargers. I just didn't like kind of the way that all those guys from Baltimore came in and took over some positions. So I went to the Chargers for a year, had a great time. That led to me working the chain gang for the Chargers for five seasons. Um, just a lot of fun to be that close to NFL football. But I found out, and I think you might be the same way, John, that, you know, my favorite sport's baseball. And when you work in your favorite sport, it turns into work, right? Like I very rarely saw an entire baseball game unless I went on a road trip or went up to Anaheim or Dodger Stadium because uh, I was our home games I was busy and I think with I've talked to a lot of guys like Sean Carpenter's another guy who was a PGA Tour pro or I'm sorry a PGA professional and you get so busy in the world of golf that sometimes you know it becomes more of a chore right so I always tell people work in your second favorite sport because that year at the Chargers was awesome I went to a ton of baseball games <laughs> in the offseason <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I think that the last year I was in the golf business, which was 2005, that was the year I went to work for Chicago title. But in 2000, so call it 2004, I think I played 36 holes of golf in a year. And and the reason was really kind of, when I was done working, I wanted no part of the golf course. Um, I wanted to go home. I wanted to be anywhere but the golf course. So I I can appreciate that. And I just can't even imagine standing on the field of a football game. That would just be incredible. Can I I share a story? My favorite story involves the San Francisco 49er team. Please do. They're my favorite. Yeah, there you go. So (laughs) I'm at a game. This is probably late eighties. Steve Young is still playing. He hasn't been knocked out of that game at uh, over in Phoenix yet. And so I was started the drive guy. So, you know, football, there's the guy with the, it's an orange circle with an X and wherever the drive starts, that's where you stand. So it's not super exciting. I'm not moving down the field with the team. But so if they, you know, I caught the uh, punt went in the end zone, I stood at the 20 and watched them march down the field. But every now and then there'd be that punt that was, you know, fair caught at midfield. And uh, on the first first half, I was on the charger side. But in the second half, I was on the visiting side. And I found myself at one point standing there at about the 50. And the three people next to me were Seifert, Rice, and young. <laughs> and you're just standing there going, Oh man, this is amazing. And this is way before cell phones. 
thank God, because um, I would have been fired, but <laughs> at least phones that took pictures. And you just kind of sit there and go, okay, I'm going to remember this moment forever. Uh, and there'll be some Niner fan down the road in 2020 who will love to hear the story. <laughs> yeah. And, and I do. That's, I mean, I, I can't even begin to imagine that scenario, yeah. but that would be incredible. So you mentioned your move to Phoenix. The move to Phoenix, was was that in large part because of the opportunity to work uh, with the Fidelity brand, the Chicago title? Uh, it was. Phoenix? Yep. I started with the Chicago title actually 20 years ago last month. Um, about three months before the big merger with uh, FNF, right? So it was uh, just before the uh, the merger acquisition kind of thing happened. So you started Chicago Title. What did you start as originally? And kind of, I know you worked your way up to uh, was it was it county manager? Not for me. No, I didn't okay. go that route. But I I started off in sales. Um, found out I'm really bad at asking for the transaction, John. We can talk a little title here for a second. If you can be as helpful as you want, but if you don't ask <laughs> for the next deal. It's, it's bad, right? That's bad in sales. Yeah. Okay, good. So, but what I was good at was management. And so I, um, within a year I took, I talked someone into this. I became a branch manager one year into my title, um, career. So you can imagine how that was walking into an office with five women, uh, all very experienced. I have no idea what they do because I was just delivering donuts in 2000. Right. And, um, it, it was a rough first few months, but I quickly learned what they didn't like doing, got good at doing it and ran that branch for a year and then moved to one much closer to my home in Gilbert, Arizona, a suburb of Phoenix and ran that for 10 years. And so, um, had a very successful operation. I proved that you could come out of sales and you could be successful as a branch manager. And, uh, I, it really was a, a great opportunity for me. Yeah, I can uh, relate to that because I think that early on in my career, uh, when I started with the company, you know, I came from a customer service background where it was always about taking care of, in this case, the members or the people playing golf. And, and I think that's, that's my greatest asset even to this day is relational. It's, it's taking care of whatever is needed. Uh, if I'm honest with you, the toughest part to this day is still the direct sell portion of like, I'll give, 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 give. I'll never stop giving. But unfortunately, I don't always ask. Um, and we have somebody within uh, our company that has shared with me, you know, give, give, ask, demand, fire. And I was never able to get past that. Um, it's still hard to this day, but, but I also think that it helps me in the sense that I'm totally relational. Uh, it, I build everything on relationships first and it gets me far more um that way than than the opposite i agree and look and the good news is this the people that you're building those relationships with need to be doing the same thing with their customers so not only are you you know building relationships but you're like showing them how to do it you're saying this is how you should be doing your business we all we're all in this the same we're all in this together so let's 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 make it work yeah so let's get into podcast real sure. quick obviously uh, your podcast is is in incredible uh the real estate sessions um how how did you stumble upon like hey i'm gonna do a podcast so in in 20 i'll back up a little bit in 2011 i i took on this role of, of vp of digital strategy full-time uh, i had for two years during the slow days in 2008 2009 i i had started um <laughs> playing real heavy in the world of social media because that was big then it was all that was there i put wi-fi in my branch without telling corporate because they would have said no. And I brought people into the conference room and I taught them how to use Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So that was my like entree into this space. And then by 2011, Patty Counts, who was our sales manager at the time, 
decided, hey, let's try to create this position. And was, I, I think, I don't know of anybody who was doing it earlier in the title world than 2011 full-time, where that was my role was to um, stay on top of the technology and help the sales team implement and share that with the clients, right? So that was my role. The podcast, and, and, and I want to back up just one more time. The thing is, I love to have done what I'm trying to teach. I hate it when it happens a lot. People are trying to teach me things and I go, so how'd you, how's your channel look? Or have you done that? And they're like, no, but you know, and I'm like, no, I, you have to kind of do it and experience it before you can really talk about it. So that's my, since that's kind of the way I work, the podcasting you know, thing, it really kind of started blowing up a little bit in 2015. It was there. Adam Carolla had a great podcast. There were lots of national podcasts that I listened to. And I love asking questions. I'm very inquisitive, very curious. And so I, I it kind of, kind of clicked for me that summer. I'm going to put this together. I said, I'll try this and started the old Google search. How do you do a podcast? And, and discovered Libsyn, Liberated Syndication, which is the first host from 2004 when, when podcasting first started. And, um, and I said, okay, I'm going to try this for a few episodes, see how it goes. And, and fortunately, I have some connections in the industry. I got you know Jay Thompson, who was at the time the social media director kind of for Zillow. And he was a good friend of mine from Phoenix. And, and uh, so started you know, um, with basically just my earbuds, um, talking into my MacBook and, and, you know, trying to, uh, edit a little bit with some, I actually, I used iMovie. I'll be I used iMovie to edit the audio, right? Because I just uploaded the, uh, the, at the time I was using go to meeting. So I would just upload the go to meeting video, but I had the camera turned off, had an audio track and I would edit it. So, and, and, it, you know, like it was, um, rough in the beginning, I think you probably discovered that too, John, <laughs> that oh, in, the yeah. beginning, in the beginning, it's a little tough, but that was, that was where I started. And I just wanted to do 10 episodes or so to make sure I knew what I was talking about when someone asked me about podcasting. Yeah. I had kicked around the idea of a podcast because I love listening to podcasts. Um, and a buddy of mine, Hyam, he, he basically said, okay, quit thinking about it. Just do it. I expect your first podcast up by October 31st is what, is what I set the date. Mm-hmm. And I go on Breakthrough Broker, uh, Eric Sachs, who was on your show, um, and uh, I downloaded something, kind of followed it as best I could, and all I did was a, a little three-minute intro as to what I was going to be doing, but then I'm like, okay, it's, it wasn't that hard, and and so, but but for you, obviously, you don't get into a podcast thinking you're going to be at roughly 245 or 246 episodes. You're just doing one, hoping to get to, to the next, get to the next, um, but do you... Do, excuse me, do you ever give your, give yourself a chance to kind of really look back and just go, holy smokes. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm in my fifth season, right? Fifth year. It'll be, it'll be my five year anniversary is this August. And, you know, I think, um, you know, it takes, it's such a long, slow build in the world of podcasting. Now I think, um, someone who's really adept at social media and wants to spend some money. And, you know, there, there are some people in the real estate space who have built some podcasts pretty quick, but it's, um, for me, uh, I'm not trying to make money on the podcast and I'm trying to build connections on the podcast, build relationships, just like we were talking about. And I now have well over 200 people that I'm connected to in this industry that I might not have been connected to before. And, for me, when someone that I'm a, a top producing team out in Tampa or over in Orlando needs help, I've got people that I can introduce them to. And so if you think about it from that point of view, especially for the way you're doing it, John, it just gives us this opportunity to um, expand our horizons like we never have before. 
But, you know, the, I guess the moment that I really look back, it really was last summer. It was just shocking, first of all, to be nominated, you know, for the, the Emmy Award. And, and then to be standing on that stage with, there's about 50 people on stage because they rattled off all the first, second, and third place for all the awards. And uh, I heard Dustin Brome get third. That was great. And then Byron Lazine and Nicole get second. I'm like, I'm just thinking, oh, it's going to be Emily Chenevere from Austin. She's got an amazing podcast. And they said your name. It's just like, Oh wow, I, I, oh, that's amazing! <laughs> so, so it's been a lot of fun. Um, here's the deal: I'm passionate about it. It does not seem like a chore or work. I never go, "Oh, I got to do another interview." It's always, "I can't wait to talk to Emily, who I'm going to talk to on Monday." Right? So, yeah, um, that makes it. I think now, now I know what people talk about when they say, "If if you if if your job is your passion, it never really feels like a job," right? Yeah, I agree. I, again, I was nervous at first, but to your point exactly, I love doing these. And I think what I love most is actually talking with and building relationships with people that I really don't know that much about. We'll use Sean Carpenter as a perfect example, mm-hmm. your, your buddy, Sean. So yeah. he was doing a webinar for Breakthrough Broker and he went through his history being a PGA member. And I'm like, holy smokes, a PGA member um, in real estate, I got to have a conversation with this guy. And yeah. and so I emailed him and I kind of gave him a brief story. Hey, PGA member, Las Vegas, just sat through your webinar. I would love to, I'd love to talk. And ultimately he's on the the podcast and, and uh, you know, I, I listened to, to the stare down your guys' other podcast because I'm a sports junkie uh, every Monday morning, basically when you post it, but it's, it's relational. It's, it's, it's not about putting the podcast out. It, there is an element of great conversation when people know you're doing podcasts. I mean, Hey, I, I saw you posted a podcast. You talked with so-and-so um, congratulations on the podcast. Can you share with me maybe how I could get started? That's a fun conversation, yep. but it's, it's not about like selfishly, I'm going to push this out in hopes that people listen to it. I don't get thousands and hundreds of thousands of people to listen, but, but it's still very, very useful. So yeah, yeah. Um, Look, that's really, it's, I'm telling you, it's when you're talking to people, no matter what you're talking about or how you're talking to them, that's a win for you because <laughs> it's, it's knowledge and it's, it's and, and same thing for the people that we work with the realtors and lenders out there. It's all about having conversations with people and anything you can do to facilitate those conversations is always a big win. Yeah. Okay. So one thing you're uniquely uniquely qualified to answer, given your current position with, with Fidelity as well as the the Inman side, uh, is technology based. I think that you you're able to see much more than than most. You're able to kind of scrub down and see the value in some. So with technology being everywhere, um, there's so many options, both good and not so good. Agents sometimes will chase the the shiny new object all the time. But have you seen a few technologies out there that you're like, man, they got it? Uh, and if so, share with me a couple. You know, my I'm a, you talked about relationships, and you know, I'm the same way. I when I talk to realtors and we are, I you know, maybe a one on one conversation, and they want to start talking about online lead generation, I I always ask the same question: Well, how are you doing with your database? When's the last time you talked to everybody in your sphere? Um, so I am a big proponent of really paying attention to the people that you've already, that already know you, um, the know, like, trust thing, all that stuff, nothing new. And chasing leads, online leads for me is always something that's done by people that have uh, incredibly well set up operations with systems in place and teams of people to handle that kind of project. So 
But having said that, some of the things I found lately, I'm a big fan of a, a company up in Canada called Street Text. So it's just like it sounds, streettext.com. Marcus Willard was on the show. I tend to, when I find something I like, I tend to interview them, which makes sense, right? Yeah. But they, they've really got it figured out um, uh, as far as working Facebook you know, um, and, and Instagram leads because they, 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 have, they, they have the knowledge. They're copywriters and they're graphic designers and they A-B test the stuff and they run the campaigns for you. And then the hard work starts. Once they've delivered leads, um, you've got to do all the heavy lifting. And they even kind of coach you along through that. They're a huge proponent to BombBomb as I am. I love, that's, a, that's another technology I'll just sing the praises of, to, to use BombBomb.com. And I know you do, John, which is great. I saw the email come in. I was, I was jazzed and sent a reply back through it. I thought that was awesome. I've been on there since 2012, you know, so it's not new, uh, but the ability to have that eye to eye contact with people that, uh, so combining a, a tool like bomb bomb with a tool like street text, which is delivering opportunities to you. If that first thing is not a text or just an email, but instead it's a video going back to them saying, Hey, I just see you're looking at this information. I'm going to send some stuff to you. I can't wait to talk to you in person. I mean, it just opens up a whole nother level of starting the relationship early. So those are two that come right off, right off the top. I saw, and this is always tricky because, you know, we own some CRMs, don't we, John? <laughs> you know, we have, uh, we have, uh, you know, Commissions Inc. And we have uh, Real Geeks. And, but those are kind of um, high level, mid-level, right, CRMs. We don't really have something at that entry level starting. And I, I love Wise Agent. Um, I'm, I'm personal friends with Brandon Wise. He's a great guy. And that's, it, you know, at the price point that's very good for someone just starting. And it does a ton of stuff. But I saw one that even goes like right between them and Real Geeks called RE Chat and, and met the owners, founders in uh, in New York. And it's one worth looking at, rechat.com. They do some amazing marketing Um off the off the listings, you know, via the IDX that ties into the uh, the agent site, it's really an impressive. Um, I don't get very I don't get impressed very often by CRM, but uh, so there's three for you, right? Street Text, yeah. RE Chat, and Bomb Bomb. Yeah, yeah. You kind of jumped into the next question ah. I, I was going to ask, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit it only because I love Bomb Bomb. And the question was, so I was listening to the the podcast you had with Marcus Willard. Um, and you said, you tell agents all the time that if they only had 50 bucks to spend a month, you'd tell them to spend it on bomb bomb. Yeah. Um, I love bomb bomb. I, I obviously sent it to you. Uh, I believe you still feel the same way. I love the response that I get when I send bomb bomb video, uh, messages. There's something that is just immediately different when I can get them to open it up. There's an instant communication. They see my eyeballs, um, they, they see that message from me and there's a connection and I get it back. Um, do you incorporate bomb bomb kind of daily, weekly into your business? Yeah, so it's daily. It's if, if I can, if I can send a video, um, rather than an email, I send the video. I just open up the bomb bomb app on the phone, record it and hit send. Right. So really simple. Um, I do have campaigns built in bomb bomb. So if I run a session with someone, uh, one of the sales team, then I'll send a, a four week follow-up once a week. That, that is me just kind of talking about what we talked about in the class. So I can use it that way. I can see who's looking at it, who's not looking at it. The tracking is amazing. Uh, I think what Alicia Baruti and Steve Passanelli and Ethan Butte, the, the people kind of the marketing minds and, and, and Alicia's the national speaker for BombBomb, they're putting out some amazing content on their webinars and how to use it. The three second GIF at the beginning is just great. You know, putting that motion in the video that kind of captures someone's attention. And, and look, the eye-to-eye -eye contact you make with somebody, even if it's asynchronous, right, which is I've recorded a video, but they're still looking me in the eye. I'm looking them in the eye. The, 
things happen. There's chemical changes in the brain that, that really um, push that relationship more quickly, you know, and, and the connections happen, you know, way faster than another email or another text. So I, you know, I'll tell you what I'm doing lately, even because I'm so up on video that this, this, this tip came out of Inman. People are afraid of video. They don't want to do it. Here's the simple thing. Just think of somebody you're grateful for, somebody you need to thank, open up your phone, hit the camera and hit record 10 or 15 seconds, say your thank you to them and then text it to them and watch the response. You'll be blown away. It it will instantly tell you, oh my gosh, I got to do a whole lot more video. Yeah. Hey, real quick, as we start to wrap this up, what is an Inman ambassador? Um, let's see. So I've, I've done it quite a few times. Really, it's it's a they want people that have a, an audience and they want people that are uh, obviously fans of the Inman um, Connect scene because not everyone is. We Brad's very open about that. If you heard Brad's episode, he knows he has detractors. But our yeah. role is to hype the event beforehand, make sure people know it's out there. Uh, during the event, we have lots of chores. You know, the the staff will have us uh, at certain places throughout the event. We we might be helping out shooting some video that they're going to put in their social channels. We're all I'm a, tw- a Twitter guy, so I'm tweeting the whole event. So Sean Carpenter, others like Instagram. So we're just kind of trying to create a little bit of FOMO, you know, for the people that aren't there during the event. Uh, and then we always go to events and, and kind of interact with the vendors and the sponsors, try to promote their stuff as we're there. So it's, it's, um, it was started by Katie Lance and I think, you know, Katie and, uh, yep. and so Katie Lance started that back in t- 2010 or 2011 and it's continued to grow, uh, ever since. So it's, if, uh, people ask how to become an ambassador, start promoting in men a lot. They'll catch the drift that you're out there talking them up a lot. And then all of a sudden one day you're going to get an email that says, Hey, would you like to be in this program? So <laughs> Talk them up. Huh. Interesting. So real quick, that uh, podcast you did with Brad, when he said that he doesn't keep a calendar for a guy so busy like that, I'm like, how's that even possible? But that's, that's, go listen to that podcast. That was an incredible one. Um, Well, we're going to wrap this up here, but, but just know that uh, you got a guy out here in Las Vegas uh, that loves what you do. Um, I, I use it quite, you kind of, if you've listened to what I'm doing, I model mine a little bit after you. I figure that uh, R and D right. Rip off and duplicate. If I, if you're doing it right, it's in some small degree, I can put something out there um, that, that, that works, but every guest that you have uh, brings some value and I appreciate it. And hopefully uh, you're coming out to Las Vegas uh, for Inman 2020. Uh, I'll be there. In July, I'll be. I all well. I lived in Phoenix for seventeen years. I can handle it. But yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there in July. I'm looking forward to it. Well, try to build in one extra day so that uh, I can get you out on the golf course. I would love to do that. Um, I love playing golf. Bears best was. Um, I've got a story from there. We can't tell right here, right now. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I love playing in the desert. It's weird being in Florida, and it's a whole different world. Uh, the golf is different. The grass is different. The <laughs> rough is different. It's like a jungle instead of. I could play 75% of the shots that go in the desert, right? But not here. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the podcast. Well, Bill, thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, leave me a review, share it, uh, rate it on uh, iTunes, Spotify, and the other podcast platforms. Uh, if you'd like to connect with me, you can uh, find me on Facebook. Just search John Sanders. Uh, I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Sanders PGA and LinkedIn as well. If you're looking to make a real estate purchase anywhere in the United States, I'd love to help you out. I'm not a real estate agent, but I work with some of the best commercial and residential brokers in the business, and I'd love to refer you to one of my partners. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) 